the number I think is 10,000 fintechs. Uh, to, with that in comparison, there's 4,800 credit unions. When I talk to those credit union executives, it's just noise now. They're like, we get bombarded with fintech companies reaching in all the time. So I think for the advice to those fintech companies, it is important to connect with somebody that, that you know, can help open doors for you. Welcome to another episode of Fintech Confidential. I'm your host, Ted Huff, and today we have a very special guest joining us. We're thrilled to welcome Brian Koss, the president and managing director of True Stage Ventures. True Stage Ventures is a venture capital arm of True Stage, a company that has been a pillar of credit unions across the United States for many years. Now, with a network that extends across 97% of the credit unions in the U.S. and has partnerships with over 1,500 banks, True Stage Ventures has uniquely positioned themselves in a way to drive innovation in the fintech space. Under Brian's leadership, True Stage Ventures has invested in over 55 fintech companies and acquired seven of them, demonstrating a long commitment to fostering innovation, collaboration between the financial institutions and fintechs. But Brian's journey in fintech didn't start at True Stage Ventures. He has a background in law and served as a partner at a national law firm. And he handled a broad range of complex initiatives, transactions, mergers, you name it. Brian was part of it. Today, we'll be diving deep into Brian's journey of fintech and the mission of True Stage Ventures. And we'll explore all the problems that they're focused on solving with their investments. I'm support provided by the Vital Credit Card. Make a statement in your wallet with a sleek metal credit card that pays you cash back when you share and spend responsibly while helping you improve your credit health. Request your invite at vital.fintechconfidential.com. Welcome to Fintech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies that change how you pay and get paid. I'm so excited that you're here to join us in this conversation with Brian. So let's just dive straight in. Brian, it's great to have you here. Ted, it's great to be here as well. We talked about a number of things about what True Stage is doing, a handful of things of your background, but it doesn't sound like you got into fintech on purpose and you've got to have a falling into fintech story. Could you tell us about your path into fintech and maybe even what that defining moment was that said, I've got to join True Stage? Yeah, yeah. Happy to kind of take you on that journey quickly. Um, you know, kind of going back, coming out of college, I actually was going to uh, pursue a, um, a path in politics. My roommate went on to become... Uh, the chief of staff to one of the U.S. presidents, and I ended up uh, taking a different path, going to law school, uh, <laughs> practice law for a number of years, and um, you know, ended up at True Stage about uh, just a little over a decade ago. And you know, at that point, uh, practicing law, but but really it was into the problem solving, into creative deal structuring, and our organization saw kind of the impact of technology on really reshaping financial services. And as you mentioned, given the, the broad uh, relationships that we have with with credit unions and, and now banks, um, you know, we really saw a need 
uh, and an opportunity for us to get into the fintech space. I raised my hand to volunteer to, to kind of lead the charge. Um, and that was back in 2016. And now, as you mentioned, 55 investments and seven acquisitions later, we're, uh, we're, we're into the game. Can you share with us like an experience or an encounter that gave you that passion to really search out the, the fintech companies that are solving real world problems? Yeah, I think, you know, a couple of things that, that really, you know, drove me and, and gets me excited about this space even today. You know, one, if you go to sort of the mission or true state, you really believe in empowering people and providing financial security uh, to people across all income levels. When I look at what fintech is able to do in terms of you know helping consumers achieve brighter financial futures and getting to work with founders that are innovative, energetic, amazing at problem solving, uh, that's what inspires me. Yeah, or gets me excited in the morning. Um, much better than you know, reading legal documents and the fine print uh, as a career that I I had prior to this transition. What was that moment? Was there a, a deal that happened? Was there an opportunity? Was something happened that that just you realized that you needed to to jump into this particular space? Outside of mission and vision are fantastic, but there's always that that pivot point that happens. Do you know what that is? And could you pinpoint it? Yeah, again, probably uh, in the exact moment we where, where I got kind of thrown into this. Um, yeah, we had uh, done our first fintech deal, um, and uh, I got a call over the weekend from the you know, our CEO saying, "Hey, we kind of need you to jump in and, and help out on this." And uh, at that point, I knew very little about fintech. You know, brushed up on it over the weekend so that on Monday morning I'd be you know, kind of ready to roll. And, you know, it was through that deal and kind of getting thrust into this, um, working with the the founder, CEO, uh, that kind of journey of building the company. Um, so there was a very clear defining moment. I remember getting the call on a Friday night. Uh, and by Monday morning, that that started my, uh, my journey into FinTech. I can only imagine the level of overwhelm you had when you're like, oh, crap. Out of that weekend of just diving in and, and doing your, your like quick overview, was there one thing that stood out that you're like, okay, now I can see this or I understand it that, that kind of, do you still sticks in your mind? Yeah. I mean, I think coming from a legal background versus a tech background, you know, the most mm-hmm. angst I had is I don't know, you know, how to code. I, you know, I don't know uh, a lot of the, at that point, especially, uh, yeah, that much about the technology. So there was the angst in that. But when I, yeah, really talked to the founder, uh, on the, of the company on Monday and solving a myriad of issues and challenges as an early stage company. And that's where with the analytical background, I'm like, I'm going to do okay, uh, in this job. Um, yeah, I can get support and learn the tech side of things. Uh, but that was that high opening moment or, Hey, I, I can do this and, uh, uh, fell in love with it almost immediately. Fantastic. So, it, you know, we, we, you touched a little bit on the vision and the mission of true stage. Can you 
describe from your perspective the vision of where True Stage Ventures is going and how that plugs into the overarching mission of True Stage, the parent company. We want to create an ecosystem for that brings together fintechs uh, and and credit unions and, and community banks. Uh, a lot of the large banks, the big banks, have plenty of resources. Uh, so I don't, you know, lose sleep at night um, uh, worrying about how they're going to navigate through all the the change that's occurring. But been talking to a lot of the the smaller financial institutions. This is a real challenge for them, and mm-hmm. so we want to help them, uh, you know, navigate the these changes, help them. Um, and educate them on um, all of the fintech companies that are out there and really kind of use our, our knowledge and experience to kind of bring these two worlds together that, that at least historically, you know, we're from, you know, different worlds. Uh, uh, and, you know, I think we've, we've come a long way in making those connections. And at the end of the day, you know, ultimately again, it goes back to the, the vision of, of also helping that end consumer, which is important to kind of that, that, that very broad mission of the organization. In all of the investments you've done, and even looking in the future investments, how have those core principles really influenced your investment decisions over the last few years, especially with the changing economy? Yeah, it's been certainly yeah. uh, in a uh, a pretty rapidly evolving evolution um, you know, because of the broad network that, that we have with with credit unions and, and a growing network now with banks. When we look at companies, as even companies that historically have been direct to consumer, we see opportunities because our business has been built and really kind of leveraging the affinity relationships with banks and credit unions to you know, offer products and solutions to their customers. It's really more of a you know, B to B to C. So what we've seen in the fintech space is, you know, direct consumer companies are very difficult and very expensive to build. So mm-hmm. is there a better path for those companies to supplement or in some cases even shift working through channel partners to reach the consumer? And that's certainly been a big component. We've seen a lot more companies uh, in the direct-to-consumer space, reaching into us uh, to explore those opportunities. As you've made those decisions and looked at all those different things, as you look at the websites and the LinkedIn and all the all the different places, you guys have made substantial investments in fintech. Could you? It maybe take a little bit further than what we just talked about and expand on on how some of those investments have moved that mission forward. Yeah, so we can can share maybe even you know, a few examples of of you know, uh, how the strategy is actually playing out um, through these real life examples. Uh, you know, when I look at at um, some companies that that we've invested in. Good examples would be a company called uh, Goal Setter. So Goal Setter is really sort of a uh, it's a uh, a parenting uh, and even tween banking app. But you know, 
how that kind of resonates. One, it's building, yeah, obviously financial literacy for, for young people, but we see opportunities for banks and credit unions to use a, a tool like that to really bring in the next generation of, of their members and customers. And in this digital age that we live in, uh, I've got two teenage kids, you know, that are really driven by a TikTok-like experience. Goal Setter can kind of deliver that and, and, you know, gives those, um, smaller institutions an opportunity to, to reach in and connect with the, the next generation in a way that, that they have challenges trying to do on their own. So that, that is, you know, I think a good example of a company where, where we can leverage our broad network to help drive growth into the company, but also help the credit unions and banks go on their end. Other than goal setters, what investments have True Stage Ventures done that has really moved the needle for these credit unions and other smaller financial institutions? Another good example um, of an investment that, that we've made that we're very excited in is a company called Carsaver. So uh, I'm a big believer that, especially when it comes to lending, you know, we will see more and more of the lending occur at the point of purchase. And retailers really starting to own sort of that lending relationship, um, which is going to be a big disruptor to traditional banks and credit unions who are relying on their members, you know, coming to the bank or credit union, talking to a loan officer or even going to you know, the website to get that loan. Um, so CarSaver really is an e-commerce platform for a consumer to buy, purchase, sell, finance, and insure a vehicle. Um, they partner with car dealerships for the inventory, and they partner with banks and credit unions to provide the financing for those vehicles. So similar to Carvana, but, but really like an asset-like version of that. To me, that's... Um, a critical way where credit unions can still, you know, really play in this digital world of e-commerce. Um, uh, CarSaver is also partnered with Walmart to provide their uh, auto buying program that they're they're building out. And again, how do we bring credit unions and banks into that um, ecosystem or or that digital environment? So, to me, that's critically important of how it kind of brings all of these pieces together. True Stage Ventures has really, a, what it sounds like, has a commitment to nurturing the collaborations between the financial institutions and the fintechs. But you and I talked about it before. It isn't always the best relationship uh, straight out of the gate. I was hoping you could discuss like some principal challenges that you're tackling through these investments. Yeah, you know, one of the big challenges, I mean, apart from, you know, almost kind of educating fintech companies on, especially the, like the credit union culture, it's very different. You know, credit unions are, are, you know, not for profit organizations and, and, you know, really put the member first. So first of all, it's just kind of getting the two cultures to, again, kind of understand one another. Another challenge though that we see is, uh, 
unlike a big bank that, um, you know, can pay a significant amount of revenue to customize and integrate that fintech company into the bank, you know, we have to kind of rethink how you're going to approach the sort of the middle market uh, and kind of the smaller end of financial institutions from an integration standpoint. And that's where, again, we spend a lot of time of how do we kind of provide integration solutions at scale so that it's affordable for the credit union and still profitable for the fintech company. And again, that's another way that we can provide value um, in addition to helping child bring distribution into those markets. Can you share like a success story, like with one of the investments that has bridged one or all of those, those gaps? Yeah, I think if what we've done is, is we've acquired some fintech companies, we've, you know, closed on uh, seven fintech acquisitions uh, over the last five or six years. And so what we've done um, is integrate some of the venture companies that we've invested in into the platforms that we've acquired. Why that's good for us is one, it's made those platforms that we require more powerful, bringing more functionality, more capability um, that we can offer to banks and credit unions without having to have the fintech company do those on a one-off basis. For us, it's much cheaper for us to partner than it is to build these capabilities. So it's mm-hmm. been tremendous benefit for us as well. And obviously for the venture companies, I mean, to be able to kind of plug into that. And uh, we have a, a platform, uh, it's a company called QAccess uh, that um, provides kind of perpetual loan offers to credit union members. Um, and uh, we've been able to integrate uh, a couple of our portfolio companies into that platform um, by, by way of example. All of these things are fantastic. And I start to think back with my consulting company. We spent a lot of time working with fintechs and helping them understand and translating the language between a financial institution and a fintech. What are some of the areas that you would see that it would be beneficial for fintech startups to reach out to someone like my company? I'm shameless plug. Uh, but you know, what, what are some things that, you know, when, that you, when you're looking at investments, you think, Hey, it would have been really helpful for them to go talk to Ted and his team to get ready to come to me because they're just not ready. Do you have a couple of examples you could share there?
Yeah, I think you know common things that 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 we see. Um, uh, you know, one is just how difficult it is in this day and age with fintechs to um, get traction with credit unions and banks. I mean, there's yeah, the number I think is ten thousand fintechs. Um, to, with that in comparison, there's four thousand eight hundred credit unions. When I talk to those credit union executives, it's just noise now. They're like, we get bombarded with fintech companies reaching in all the time. So I think for the advice to those fintech companies, it is important to connect with somebody that, that, you know, can help open doors for you because, um, unless you're a large fintech that has built, uh, you know, really solid, um, brand recognition, that's a challenge. Another area is just um, some of the integration challenges into the the systems that these credit unions operate, and uh, you know it's it to be able to segment the markets, even know who you should reach out to if you've done an integration into a specific core system. Uh, you know, for example, like we know now every credit unit on that core system. So rather than now reach out to another one and, you know, the time and effort it takes to integrate into another call, yeah, we try to, okay, let's go approach all those credit unions um, because it's going to, to ease pain points uh, for both the, the customer, the financial institution. It's going to accelerate, um, you know, kind of the, the work on the, the fintech side. And, and that's an example of, of where consultants... Mm-hmm strategic investors, channel partners, really can make a difference. Well, now that we've talked about the places where they need the help, and let's just pretend like they've, they've figured all of that out. Could you outline the kind of fintech companies that align with the True Stage Ventures direction and maybe some of the specific attributes that you look at before deciding to invest? There, there are two that are absolute critical dating items for us. I mean, we, we want to invest. I love how you put that dating items. Love it. <laughs> the first thing is, you know, there has to be a good cultural fit. These are long-term relationships that we're going to have with our portfolio companies. And it's not only just the capital that we're providing. It's really the strategic value of helping those companies grow. Yeah, we're a, uh, our our company's headquartered in the Midwest, so we're kind of you know Midwestern principles. Uh, uh, nice people, and we want to work with with founders that align with us culture. The second other big item really is: is there that strategic fit? Do we think that we can help drive outsized growth in value into a company? And if it's an area or a company where we just don't see that opportunity, yeah, we'll take a pass. Um, if we kind of check both of those boxes, you know, then, you know, then we'll kind of go uh, deep into the, the diligence um, that you would expect. But those are really important to us. You said something that I tend to feel like most companies um, overlook more often than not when they're looking to go out for investment or to partner with a company. And it's really the culture. 
Can you help define like what a cultural fit would be for True Stage Ventures? Yeah, I think for for us, I mean, for um, a company to be successful in fully utilizing kind of, again, the strategic value that we bring, because we want both the, the fintech analysts to, to benefit from that. You know, it has to be, you know, the type of leadership oftentimes that believes in the core of their mission. Um, with credit unions, that's critically important. So if maybe it's um, a founder that is all about, you know, dollar signs on a founder that, uh, you know, just wants to push for the, 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 the fastest exit and that comes across, that's not going to resonate well with credit union leaders. They'll see right through that. Um, um, <laughs> and then, yeah, at that, at that point, that actually hurts our own reputation. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, because we don't want to put someone in front of the credit union that, that, that isn't aligned on those kind of core underlying values. You know, with that said, obviously yeah. we, we want founders to grow. We want a successful exit, but, um, yeah, they have to believe kind of in that mission. Yeah. No, and, and it, it, I love that you brought up the cultural piece of it because, you know, that it's almost given that you want to increase revenues. You want to increase adoption. You want to increase, uh, the, the engagement. Like all of those are, are pretty much given, right? And, and it's really, how do you deliver that in a way that matches the customers you're trying to deliver it to? And too many times people just look at the numbers right. and then just push hard into the numbers. And I'm really happy to hear you say that the numbers are cool, but if the culture doesn't fit, then it's still a no-go. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to, tr- I'm, I'm going to transition out of like, the the Spanish Inquisition piece of this, not just kidding. Uh, but, but really just diving into the market is so different right now. I'm seeing people get investments of 13, 130 million, $1.2 billion still happening in fintech. Not as often as it has been in the past, but Given in your experience, the investments you've done and all the different various areas, what is your perspective on the current fintech landscape and what patterns are you noticing? So I, I feel like there's some new life that's starting to, you know, kind of be you know, breathed and pushed into the fintech space. Um, you know, the last... 12 months, maybe not quite 12 months. I mean, it's been challenging. It's been what we've found is it takes companies, um, uh, many times longer to bring around the gallery. It's taking, uh, a lot of time to get that lead investor locked in. Um, we saw a lot of insider rounds. So I feel like, yeah, a lot of venture funds have kind of really, um, and down the hatches, we're going to fund companies in our portfolio. Uh, it, it, but it, we're starting, at least what I've seen over the last two months, it feels like a thawing of that. We're seeing tour sheets actually uh, come across our, our desk. We're seeing rounds close. Uh, 
at higher valuations. Um, so, uh, uh, so I'm, I'm hoping even with some of the, um, uh, you know, kind of leveling off of just the interest rate volatility that that's, it just feels like it's maybe more stable now than it has been for, uh, yeah, the last 10, 12 months. I, I was at a, a KBW event earlier this year, and it was interesting to listen to all of the folks up on the panel from different types of investment groups really talk about it. And one of the things that was brought up, and I'd love to get your your thought on this, is they quit calling it down rounds because they were versus looking at the old valuation, the new valuation, and they started calling them an reinvestment round. Because they, they felt like it had been a reset to reality. And now it's just reinvestment to, to continue to move forward, not really focused on growth, but just to continue to move things forward until the growth curve kicked in. And I'd love to hear your perspective on that. I think that's a, a great uh, way to describe that. Um, I'll have to use that as well. <laughs> By all means, please do. I, I mean, I think 2021 was nuts i mean in terms of the 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 run-up on on valuations um yeah it was not sustainable it did not reflect reality um so i think you know certainly the the market is kind of you know adjusted and in valuations are, are yeah more in line yeah you know sometimes i have people that hear a oh you're a fintech investor and they kind of look at that and they compare it to the the dot-com bubble and, uh, yeah. and you know i i think I, I point out i mean i see significant distinctions i mean a lot of times here we have companies that have good solid um uh you know business fundamentals that have a viable product that have product fits and um you know through no fault really of their own i mean so these valuations go through the roofs Versus, you know, we had a lot of dot-com companies that were funded in 2000 and, and 2001, you know, that, that probably should never have received a dollar, but you know, you had dot-com at the end and, and you could raise capital. So, um, I do see a distinction of that. You know, this is probably more of a market correction. It, you know, the fact of the matter is, uh, digital transformation of financial services is not going to diminish. As we move forward, it's only going to, to accelerate. So yeah, in the, the banks and credit unions for the most part are not going to be able to develop, um, and implement and maintain the complexity of systems that fintechs have built. So long term, I, I am still bullish on this space. Um, there'll be tremendous opportunity and in tremendous demands on from. Uh, banks, financial institutions, and consumers. So I'm going to ask you to hop into your hot tub time machine. Go forward a little bit. What types of things do you see happening in the fintech sector? And how is True Stage Ventures preparing for future trends? Yeah, I touched on embedded finance becoming uh, increasingly common. And so, you know, that's going to be an area of focus of how do we kind of plug in the entire credit union system into mm -hmm. these new environments. 
so that they're not left behind. And I think um, making investments in a company like CarSaver that I mentioned, or a firm, a firm is uh, 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 the buy now, pay later platform that's integrated in with Amazon. You know, how do we now create partnerships um, through this technology that, that gives credit unions uh, a seat at the table that probably no individual credit unions going to be able to, to do on their own. Um, so that's a part of, of where, you know, we'll be focused. Um, and, yeah, I think another area is, you know, how do we help drive a lot more automation into these smaller banks and credit unions? Um, because it's going to be very difficult for them to remain competitive if their expense structure looks vastly different than fintechs or big banks. Um, so that's not as sexy, you know, streamlining back office fortunes, uh, driving in automation. It depends on who you are. I mean, like, I'm a pretty big data geek. So when you start talking about, like, cutting out touch points, reducing time, reducing errors... Like to me, that that gets me excited. So I'm one of those people that I get more, a lot of times get more excited about what happens behind the scenes yeah. versus what happens in front of the scenes. And it just makes me wonder: are, are there specific initiatives that True Stage Ventures is implementing to gear up for these future trends of automation and all the data and the back end? And yes, I have to use the buzzword: machine learning and AI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think again, what we're doing is is trying to offer um, full end-to-end solutions that incorporate the best of the best. You know, the AI, the machine learning, data, do all of that on the back end and deliver an end-to-end solution, so that a credit union doesn't have to try to piece together ten different technologies from ten different fintech. So, uh, providers that they need to then integrate into legacy core systems. You know, how do we kind of do that? We've created a fintech solutions business unit within True Stage, uh, that really is kind of that golden market team for companies that we've acquired and invested in to do a lot of that heavy lifting to build the piping. Um, and I think that is going to be critically important. Um, uh, because, uh, you know, credit unions and, and banks just have project fatigue. They can't do a whole lot more. <laughs> they can't maintain 20 yeah. new systems. Um, so we'll try to take that heavy lifting, uh, away and um, kind of bear that on our end. I can imagine that the core systems companies really appreciate that as well, because now they're dealing with a team that is very familiar with their systems. They've had projects before. They know, they know the pitfalls not to jump into. They know the swings to swing from. Like they, they aren't like bushwhacking their way through it. They're, they're going through with a very calculated approach. Yeah. I think that's right. Uh, you know, we have really good relationships with all the, the, you know, major core providers, a lot of the loan origination system providers that are critical to, um, you know, those operations and again to kind of leverage those relationships, which also are very important um for for fintechs, especially when they're small companies trying to get, yeah, you know, some of the really big guys to move can be a challenge. And and again, that's where I, I think it kind of benefits everybody and it brings 
just more efficiency into the process. Well, Brian, we're getting close to the end. And before I ask my last question, we've covered a bunch of stuff. Is there anything that you wanted to make sure that the audience heard that maybe we haven't covered? You know, I, I just, you know, kind of go back to the, you know, piece of advice maybe for, for fintech companies. And maybe this is a, you know, plug for, for us, but strategic capital, I think is becoming more and more important to you. Um, and yeah, really looking at, at the value that your investors can bring to your company. And what we look to do on our end is we really want to position ourselves with investors that have capabilities and bring value that we don't apart from, you know, writing the check. Um, and you know, whether that's, uh, you know, investors that have even deeper relationships with banks than we do or, um, you know, media companies that can provide access to, to their vast network. To me, that's going to become increasingly important to help those companies really grow and scale because there just are so many fintech companies out there right now. And, um, you know, to get that growth that, that they're going to need to get to the series B, C, or these uh, stages of funding, um, those investors will be critically important. If you were to offer one piece of advice to an entrepreneur trying to decide on which fintech product or products they should concentrate on, what would it be? And the reason why I ask this question is what I've seen, and you've probably seen this as well. What happens is an entrepreneur has an idea and starts down the path and then sees all the different connectors. And then decides to, okay, well, now I'm going to expand into this and into this and into this and into this. And now they've got 15 products that are half-baked, maybe? How would you, what advice would you give them to figure out how to find the one lane to focus on? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they don't focus on the lane. Yeah, I think what we've seen, um, at least early on for... Uh, a founder that's in the early stages of developing that, that, that product or, uh, piece of technology. I mean, one, really understand your end market. And I think you have to get really good at serving that core market and proving, um, out, uh, product fit and generating revenue and demonstrating growth before you start going into five different directions. Because what, what also happens is that becomes very expensive. Um, and you're going to burn through a lot of cash, have a lot of half-baked ideas or products, uh, and you're going to run out of cash. You're not going to have any revenue to get investors excited to, to continue investing. Um, so again, that, that's a trap. I see a lot of early stage companies fall into and, and, um, you know, it ends up kind of being the, the chain, the chain that drags into the bottom of the lake. If you could take all of that and put it into one sentence, a nice tight quote, what would it be? I want one sentence, uh, or one you know, piece of advice very crisply is, uh, for, for founders, be laser focused and pick your investors wisely. 
Brian, thank you so much for sharing your valuable insights. I guarantee that the audience has learned so many things that they hadn't even thought about, especially in the fintech investing side and what that means for them and really where the market is headed. It's been a fantastic time chatting with you and I really appreciate it. So thanks very much for, for joining. Yeah, Ted, I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, uh, this has been a lot of fun for me. Support provided by the Vital Credit Card. Make a statement in your wallet with a sleek metal credit card that pays you cash back when you share and spend responsibly while helping you improve your credit health. Request your invite at vital.fintechconfidential.com. This has been a production of Diamond D3 Media with all rights reserved. This is provided for informational purposes only. It is not offered or intended to be used as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. We strive to provide accurate and up-to-date information, but will not be responsible for any missing facts or inaccurate information. You comply and understand that you should use any of this information at your own risk. Cryptocurrencies are highly volatile financial assets, so research and make your own financial decisions.